Alright, so I spieled all long enough here. Let's get to it. I think this might be one of the best interviews we've ever had. Not because of anything I did. Mike just dropping some knowledge. Asked him all kinds of questions on what's going on with a lot of these hot topics in the SEC, including the Wade Twins, Kentucky-Tennessee recruiting battle, Henry Toa Toa, Eric Gilbert, that and a lot more. Let's kick it over to our interview with Mike Farrell. Pleased now to be joined by the great Mike Farrell. Of course, everyone in college football and recruiting especially knows that name. He's the national columnist over at Rivals. You can follow him on Twitter at RivalsMike and on Instagram at RivalsGodfather. He's also the host of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. Mike, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you. No problem. So I wanted to ask you right off the the top here, we got a lot of Tennessee listeners to the show, a lot of Kentucky listeners as well. And you've been out there, you know, covering the uh, recruitment of the Wade Twins there in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Those guys are planning to commit on Friday. And depending on who you ask, some people think it's going to be Tennessee. Some people think it's Kentucky. What can you tell us about the Wade Twins? Uh, it's it's a tight one. Um, you know, from, from what I hear from both sides, there's confidence. Um, I think there's a little bit more confidence on the Kentucky side of things. Uh, I, I got the impression that, uh, sort of a silent commitment or at least a, a reassurance to them that they're headed to Kentucky occurred last week. But as we know, in recruiting, uh, every day is different. So heading into this week, I think it's a, it's a pretty good battle. I've got my future cast in for Kentucky, um, but that's very iffy. Confidence level for me would be probably around a four. Um, and again, this, this is talking to both sides. Of course, both sides are going to say they're confident and they feel good about it. I've just heard a little bit more about Kentucky uh, heading into the weekend, and I'll have to dig in some more this week. Now, any concern if Tennessee doesn't land the Wade Twins that, uh, you know, Josh Heupel, the start of his era there, not going great on the recruiting trail, of course, not been there that long, and there's looming sanctions likely, but would you have any concern over his recruiting ability if, if he doesn't land the Wades? Um, no, I mean, I think it's too early, you know, to make that leap. Obviously, you know, people want to see immediate um, impact. They they want to see recruiting, you know, take a take it to a new new level, and that's going to be difficult because the NCAA is is hovering over their head, and you know, you really don't know what type of sanctions are going to come down. This could drag out for a very long time. You know, that's being used against them when it comes to uh, you know negative recruiting, and, and people say negative recruiting doesn't exist they're they're living in a fantasy world so it's being pointed out to every recruit that's looking at Tennessee that you know hey you might not be able to play in bowl games or whatever the worst situation could be um that's what they'll sell but I wouldn't be overly concerned you know there's a lot of people taking shots at Tennessee these days uh, especially with Rutgers recruiting so well early this season and they're in the top 10 in recruiting and Tennessee doesn't have any commitments and, you know, all that good stuff. It's April. It doesn't matter now at all. What matters is, you know, next December and then obviously the first Wednesday in February. So 
I wouldn't worry yet. At this point last year, Alabama had more decommitments than commitments. Now, Tennessee's not Alabama, but Alabama fans were freaking out. And they, of course, ended up with one of the best classes in the history of college football. So, so much can happen. The last thing I got for you on Tennessee, what's the latest you're hearing on Henry Toa Toa? It seems like you've been all over his uh, recruitment since he jumped into the transfer portal too. And I think a lot of fans are kind of miffed as to why one of the best prospects in the transfer portal has not picked a new school yet. Well, I mean, they're being very quiet about it. Um, You know, obviously they were very quiet during the recruiting process itself. And, you know, so you you go to different sources, third-hand sources, and even those guys are are a bit out of the loop or quiet about things. He wanted to go to Alabama. Um, The thing that's, you know, sort of scared both sides off was, you know, the lack of, the lack of clarity from not only the SEC, but the NCAA on, you know, interconference transfers. Uh, you know, there, there may be a sweeping rule passed by the NCAA that you can transfer to any school. doesn't matter whether it's in or out of your conference and, and not have to sit out a year. And then there's talk of, you know, having to sit out a year if you go within conference. So Alabama, you know, told them wait until after the spring, um, or until after that legislation is passed, and who knows when that's going to be. So now he's looking at Ohio State, and there was a rumor he's going to take a visit to Ohio State last week. I haven't been able to confirm that he's been on campus because everybody's keeping it hush-hush, but right now it looks like he's leaning towards Ohio State. I, you know, there was a report that he was back in Knoxville. He was always going to finish spring classes in Tennessee, um, whether online or in person, uh, more, more likely online. Uh, but he was never going to go back there. But I had heard that, you know, they had talked to him and said, if you want to go through spring ball, you have to get out of the portal because he was interested in staying in football shape. And that wasn't something he was interested in doing. So he's not going back to Tennessee. I know that unless everything else falls through. Now, for anybody that's missed it, Mike's been all over this uh, Eric Gilbert saga. You know, a lot of people I thought assumed he's going to Georgia, going to play for Kirby. You put it out there first that I saw headed to Florida not long after he commits to Florida, and then that obviously didn't work out, and you've also reported on the fact that uh, Gilbert returned to Baton Rouge to meet with Coach O, and Coach O's confirmed that. So what can you tell us about uh, the, all the drama and the saga of Eric Gilbert, and is it too early to make a prediction on what will happen for him? Uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty positive he's going to end up back at LSU. Um, originally, you know, he didn't want to leave LSU. This wasn't a homesickness issue ever. You know, it was, it was reported as such by people making stuff up. But, you know, this was a, a situation where some off-field issues uh, came to light and, and really sort of took over for football. Um, and he was forced back home. So, the problem with that is you got a bunch of incompletes at LSU and, you know, incompletes don't transfer well, obviously <laughs> to other schools. And, you know, initially it was, it was, uh, I was told that he was going to, you know, go to Tennessee with Harrison Bailey as his high school quarterback. But um, then all that Tennessee stuff started coming down and, and they were pretty much eliminated. Kirby smart was recruiting him himself at Georgia. Um, you know, then I think he sort of got cold feet, you know, because they've got a they got a team that could make a run at a national championship this year. And 
Distraction is certainly the last thing they want there. Uh, Florida really pressed. Coach Brewster's coached some great tight ends, put him in the NFL. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is the latest. He committed there, but there was really no thought of, you know, how are we going to get him into school? And, and that just didn't work out. I mean, it was just impossible. So the only place he can go is either junior college. This is my intel anyways. I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate. He, he can either go to JUCO or he can go back to LSU um, unless he gets some sort of waiver from Georgia Tech or Georgia as a Georgia resident. Um, and I can't speak to the off-field issues, but I can tell you this. He did go back to Baton Rouge. He met with the coaching staff there. Everything was laid out in front of him as to what he has to do and what steps he has to take. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to end up back in, in Baton Rouge and hopefully eligible for next season, but we'll see about that. But this is a weird one. It's been crazy. Uh, and, you know, I think it's about to wind down. Now, you may have already answered this, but do you think LSU is going to bounce back from last season's uh, disappointing season and, and contend for the SEC title? I, I do. I mean, it depends on the quarterback situation, obviously. Um, you know, Miles Brennan, I think, needs to be healthy, and, and he's the key, um, you know, for that offense. But they've got so much young talent. We saw how, you know, they played against Florida with so few guys on the, uh, on the roster itself last year. And a lot of the young guys stepped up in a big way. Um, I think Tyler Brennan, you know, obviously the start he had and, and, and the ability that he has in the offense and being experienced in it is the key there. Um, you know, they do have some young, talented quarterbacks, obviously, as we saw last year, a couple true freshmen, but I think Brennan's the key. Now, they're not, you know, competing for the West is going to be difficult. Um, I'm not sure if they've reloaded enough to make a true run at it, but certainly I've got them in that, you know, second, third uh, range in the West if, if they could put it all together. The last thing I got for LSU, recently at Rivals, you gave LSU the title of the SEC's DBU over Alabama and Florida. So head on over to Rivals if you had missed Mike's column on that, but I just want to know how brutal have your mentions been? Because I can't imagine all these Alabama and Florida people, how upset they must have been with that one. Well, the Florida people aren't happy about it, but they really don't have a case to make. Um, you know, I've asked them to. You know, they, 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 they don't. Uh, they just say, look at the NFL. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the NFL. And I did my research on this. And um, it's Alabama that really made this a difficult one. And it was probably the only tough one out of the five power five conferences. I mean, Washington was pretty easy. The Pac-12, obviously Ohio State was easy in the Big Ten. Um, you know, Florida State with their success with Derwin James, Jalen Ramsey, and some other guys, David Rose, was easy in the ACC. And the Big 12, that one was tricky as a little bit because Texas has had more and better. But TCU, you know, this year is going to put potentially, obviously, one guy in the first round uh, another guy in the in the second round, and then after that, um, in a couple of years, they've got another potential first rounder. But Alabama was a tough one. They got a lot of first rounders, got a lot of talent. Um, I compared, you know, sort of not not just the the current situation for each player, but how their career has progressed. And I just couldn't, you know, with with the Honey Badger and Jamal Adams and Tre'Davious White and. And, and Patrick Peterson and just 
they had too many guys that have had not only successful careers, but potential Hall of Fame careers compared to Alabama. So to me, it was it was fairly easy after I did the research. But at first, I thought the SEC was going to be a nightmare. Florida is a distant, distant third. I mean, it's really not even close. It's Alabama and LSU at the top uh, with LSU getting the edge. Well, speaking of uh, the Gators, you did over at Rivals write about uh, the top impact transfer running backs in the country, not just the SEC, but the entire country. You put Florida's Demarcus Bowman number one on your list. Can you tell us why you're so high on Bowman and, and just the impact you expect him to make next season? Yeah, and they they could have used him this year. I mean, the running game was bad this year. The offensive line wasn't great. And you need someone who's going to be able to bounce off, get extra yards, and make things happen himself when your offensive line isn't playing that well in the run game. And that's what he can do. I mean, we had him as a five-star kid when he went off to Clemson. Not only can he run, uh, he can catch the football. He makes people miss. Uh, he runs low to the ground. He's hard to get a shot on. He can you know, uh, spin off for extra yardage, but also, you know, just sort of fall forward with good leverage and gain an extra couple yards. Uh, he's hard to tackle. You know, I think he's going to be great, and now they don't have any passing games. So it's going to be Demarcus Bowman is going to be fed a lot. I mean, Emory Jones is likely to be the quarterback there, and he can run. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot of Bowman. Lorenzo Lingard's there also as a former five-star, but Bowman's got the upside. Um, it, it would have been nice to see him with a balanced passing offense, but uh, the running game will at least be much improved this year for Florida. Well, also over at Rivals, you ranked the SEC's breakout players number one on the list, Kentucky safety Yusuf Corker. Can you tell us why you're so high on the uh, Wildcat defensive back? You know, it just they don't get a lot of attention – at Kentucky. I mean, Jamin Davis was one of the best linebackers in the country. Um, you know, obviously you're going to, you're going to see guys on the all American teams from Ohio state and, and Alabama and Clemson and, you know, the bigger programs and, and Corker has had a tremendous career, uh, very solid. Um, he's an excellent tackler. Um, and, and I expect him to sort of get that attention. He's kind of broken out. I mean, if you know football, you know who he is. You know he's one of the better defensive backs in the country, and you know his balance of his game when, when tackling and playing the football. Um, so I put him on there as a breakout just because no one's really heard a lot about him. Um, so to me, he's, he's an established talent that will hit the national uh, sort of headlines next season for Kentucky. Um, you know, it's just – if he was at Alabama, you'd already know about him. Uh, he'd probably already be in the pros and, you know, it's just a different world for Kentucky. And, uh, and I don't think they get enough credit for some of the defensive players they've produced. Well, speaking of someone that probably does not have the national profile they deserve, what can you tell us about uh, this Tyke Smith that Georgia just landed from West Virginia that is, that looks to be an immediate upgrade in Georgia's secondary? Yeah, I mean, they need help there. Um, and they made no bones about it. I mean, they, they were really hoping to get a Terry and Arnold down a stretch of recruiting. Who's a guy who could play corner or safety. Um, you know, Tyke is a guy who's, he's got tremendous versatility. He could play free, he could play strong. You could put him as an undersized linebacker in some 
scheme and sets as well. Um, so he was highly coveted. I talked to a bunch of schools after he went in the portal who just were, would kill for him. I mean, Auburn was one of them, and they had Dreshawn Miller from West Virginia um, as a big corner, and those two played together. If They thought they had a good chance at him, but his DB's coach at West Virginia is at Georgia, so apparently that was where he was going to go the whole time. The versatility is the key. He's not going to be put out at corner, uh, but like I said, you, you could play him at free. You could play him strong. He could play the run, play the pass. Um, he's a one-year guy. I mean, he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be off to the NFL uh, very, very quickly. But when you're talking about Georgia and the need that they have at defensive back and this team that has the 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 roster to to make a run at the national championship, especially with Alabama reloading, A&M getting a new quarterback, um, Florida losing all their receivers, you know, in the SEC itself. And then you look at um, Ohio State, you know, breaking in a new quarterback as well. Georgia's got a real shot here, and Tyke was a huge part of that. Now, I wanted to ask you about the first-year coaches because there's very few that know the recruiting landscape like Mike Farrell. So we got four first-year coaches in the SEC, Brian Harson at Auburn, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Which one do you think uh, will prove to be the best recruiter given what you know about those guys or maybe the staff they've put together? Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I, I mean, I think Harson's going to – Harson's is sort of a fish out of water, you know, coming from Boise State going to Auburn. Um but so far, you know, what I've heard and seen, uh, he and his staff will probably have the most success. You obviously have to factor in that Vanderbilt's going to struggle recruiting, as they always do, because of facilities and academics. And that's just a hard job to have um, in the SEC itself. Beamer's a really good recruiter, um, but, you know, coming off a a two and eight season and being in the same state with Clemson is difficult and Tennessee's waiting and, you know, the NCAA is hanging over their head. So I'm going to say Harson at Auburn. Now it's not easy to have Alabama in your home state either, but it's put together a good staff. Um, there's a little bit of buzz about them. Um, you know, kids are talking about Auburn a little bit and I think they're going to get back into Georgia where for some reason, two things happened under Gus that are inexplicable. He stopped recruiting offensive linemen, which I have no idea why. Um, they took like, I don't know, maybe a total of like eight in five years, which you, you just impossible numbers. You can't do that. And, and they, they didn't hit Georgia last year. Uh, they failed miserably. And that's been, you know, really their number one state for recruiting. So I think Harson's got to fix those two things. I know he's not going to let offensive line slide. Um, and and I think they have an opportunity to get back into Georgia with uh, with the staff they put together. All right, last question for you, Mike. If I just say how many incoming freshmen or, or signees, whatever you want to call it, from the 2021 class in the SEC that maybe the casual fan may not recognize, but by this time next year, probably going to be a you know a big name in the SEC based on a, a big debut season. Who are, who are the guy or guys that uh, come to your mind? Well, the first one's Mason Smith, who's absolutely killing it at LSU already. Uh, I think he's going to be a first-team defensive tackle for them. He's our number one player in the country, and everything I've heard about from what he's been doing there early has been 
you know, what we expected, um, which is just absolutely dominate. It's going to be interesting to see if one of the Alabama offensive linemen uh, makes the two deep. Uh, J.C. Latham is the one that I would think might have an opportunity. We've seen guys like Jonah Williams, you know, jump in there as, as a true freshman left tackle. I think, you know, somebody's going to start off as a right tackle um, at Alabama, and it could be one of these freshmen. And then you got to look to, obviously, the, the skill kids because there's a whole lot of big men headed to the SEC and not as much skill. Um, but, you know, defensively, I think a guy like Dallas Turner at Alabama could make an impact as a hybrid pass rusher. Um, and Sage Ryan as a safety at LSU, that's one of the areas they need help in. They've got the two corners, Elias Ricks and Derek Stingley. Um, but, you know, they really do need help at safety, and he's a dynamic athlete um, who could do that. The one, the one thing is interesting to me is that when you look at the wide receiver position, which is the easiest position to me to make an immediate impact because you can dumb down the route tree and just use your athleticism. The SEC, other than Alabama, didn't kill it. I mean, Alabama got three of the top 60 players in the country at wide receiver, but beyond that, you're going to start to look at guys like Deion Smith at LSU or, uh, you know, Braylon Brown at Ole Miss. Um, Some of these guys that were really under the radar that are going to pop up, Marcus Burke maybe at Florida, but wide receiver recruiting was a little bit down in the conference. So I'm curious to see which guys break out. Hey, I'm sorry. You just made me think of something. I know I said last question, but why have no receivers seemingly emerged for Jimbo Fisher? That seems to be a missing piece there for Texas A&M. Do you have any clue? I don't. It's weird. You know, I mean, obviously they had depth at wide receiver. Demond Dimas is the guy that I expected to break out. He was a 2025 star. Uh, number 15 player in the country. He barely even played last year. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you would expect with Jimbo being a good quarterback coach. Kellen Mann was a solid passer um, that, you know, it wouldn't be so much sharing the football. Now it helps that they've got so many talented tight ends. And I guess that hurts the wide receiver position, but no, I, I don't know the reason for that. Um, you know, Demos is so athletic and so dynamic, you know, I expected him to at least make at least some sort of impact. And and Musha Muhammad, um, you recognize the name, his dad was in the NFL forever. It's another guy out of North Carolina that went to Texas A&M who was also very good. I think you'll start to see that. But, you know, when you got Widemeyer and guys like that, you're okay if you balance it between the wide receivers and the tight end. But watch for Demondimus this year. All right, Mike, I really appreciate your national columnist for Rivals, Mike Farrell. Again, that Twitter is at RivalsMike, Instagram, RivalsGodfather. Must follow on both platforms. Thanks so much for joining me, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right, anytime. Man, once again, terrific, terrific stuff. I really appreciate Mike hopping on the show, dropping some knowledge. And you can find his Twitter and Instagram and his podcast, The Godfather and Gorney Podcast, I put links to all that in the show notes. You got to give him a follow. He's been in uh, the college football game, recruiting game for, I think, going on two decades here. So, I mean, he he's going to know a lot more than just about anybody you get your info from. So, give him a follow and, and just want to say thanks again. I really appreciate all that info he dropped there. 
that's going to do it for this episode. And of course, as always, you made it this far. Give us, Go that extra step. Leave us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. I've been seeing an uptick here and sending out koozies. So keep getting those requests in. I'll keep sending them out. That's going to do it. Thanks for joining me. Catch you all the next one.